0: Now, if you're not already at Matthew chapter 21, please turn to Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to reread the verses that Alex read for us. And those are verses 12 through 17. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. The Bible says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who who bought and sold in the temple. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did And the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant Mm -hmm. and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, I hear what they're saying. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged. There. The Jesus you don't know. The Jesus you don't know. And all of us, I would imagine, think we know Jesus. And what we need to recognize is yes, we know something about him. Uh, but as you study scripture more and more, you learn more about his character. You learn more and more about things he said and things that he did. And so we know he's God's son. Uh, we know he's the savior of the world. Uh, we know he is Lord. Uh, he's king of kings. Uh, we know he healed people. Uh, we know that he uh, ministered to people while he was alive. But, but there's also other facets of Jesus' personality that you and I need to get a good understanding of to begin to be perceive that, yes, he healed people, he encouraged people, but he also held people accountable when they were defaming his father. Amen. And here in the text, we have a situation where he holds folk accountable who are gathering for worship, but they are making a mockery of worship. And so Jesus lets loose on some people in a way that we're not used to him doing. Now, he's still God's humble servant. But when Jesus perceived people were disrespecting his father, that kind of got under his skin, and he had to set some people straight. Now, I need for us to understand, when folk disrespect God, our father, you don't need to sit quietly and let them disrespect God in your presence. And too many times, that's exactly what we do. Uh, We're in a meeting or we're in a discussion. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Mm -hmm. But if God is your daddy, Mm -hmm. you all not want talking bad about him or misrepresenting Mm -hmm. what his standards are or misrepresenting what the word of God has to say. And that will make a little bit more sense to you as we get in the text. But suffice it to say, we see a side of Jesus in this text. That helps us to understand he's serious about the father's business. Now, what we also are going to see in the text is that people who regularly gather for worship can get loose and comfortable with less than optimal activities happening as a part of the worship service. So we'll get used to some stuff that goes on in worship that should not be going on. And somebody has to say something about it. Now, in this text, Jesus is uh, going to run some people out of God's house. Now, this is not the only time he does this, because if we go back to John chapter 2, he has another incident where he runs folk out of God's house. I need for us to understand there are are times where we have to be repetitive in doing some things, because people will straighten up for a while and then go back to the old ways. Okay, you don't believe me? Uh, uh, When we were at uh, Milton, we used to put ropes up on the pews. Anybody remember those days? Uh We did that so you guys wouldn't come in and start seating from the back of the building to the front. Uh, You guys remember that? And so after a while, as we started getting the lessons, we took the ropes down. But you remember there came a time we had to put them back up. You know why? Because we were still filling up from the back to the front. Now, while you may be comfortable doing that, then what happens to the people who show up late? If all the back seats are already taken up, what happens? they got to be dragged down front in front of all of us, and we are distracted. I thought I'd get a lot of amens on that one. As opposed to if we sit right, which is from the front to the back, then when latecomers come, you don't even know they're late. And it's less of a distraction. Amen, somebody up in here. So our setting for uh, today's lesson is that we're in the last week of the life of Jesus. He's headed to the cross. And if you ever want to really do an interesting study on the, uh, on the, on the, the last week in Jesus' life, it, it, it's nice to pair up what happened on a Monday, what happened on the Tuesday, what happened on a Wednesday. And so I challenge you, uh, for those of us who like to do intensive study. Study that. Look at what happened each of the days of the week. And you begin to see there's a lot said about these seven days. Uh, that many times we don't even think we're, we're in that last week of his life. Now, as our uh, text opens up at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Guess what? Everybody's happy he's coming. Uh, People are throwing out palm uh, palm trees, and uh, everybody's crying out "Hosanna" uh, to the Son of David. Everybody's excited that he uh, that the person who some perceive to be the Messiah is coming to town. They're happy on Monday, but you guys know we can be happy one minute of the day, and before two hours later, you're unhappy so the people the adults are happy at the beginning of matthew chapter 21 that's going to change a little bit before the chapter is over it's passover time and so every jewish every jewish male uh, 12 and older was supposed to go and observe the passover celebration so it's a time of celebration it is a time of coming uh, into jerusalem together for worship and you guys remember passover was a time to celebrate god's deliverance of Israel from Egyptian bondage. It was a time to be happy. It was a time to be uh, reflective of the goodness and the grace of God in their lives. And we all need opportunities to remember what God has done for us. It helps to develop a sense of gratitude. Because it becomes very easy to always won't, won't, won't. And never take the time to say, thank you, Lord, for what you have already done. And then show an appreciation that if he never does anything else for you, he's already done more for you than you deserve. And some of us don't appreciate the fact that God blesses us better than we live. How would you like him to bless you according to how you live? So if you live according to what he said, blessing. Uh, When you don't do it, no blessings. Uh, You think we get very far. So it's celebration time in the city, and so the city is full of strangers and people from all over who have come to observe the Passover. And so you got a lot of people coming into Jerusalem uh, together for this worship service, together to celebrate Passover. And because many of them are coming long distances, they are not necessarily bringing the items that they need in order to worship. So if they need to offer a sacrifice, They're not bringing uh, lambs and sheep and dove and all those things from wherever they came from. They're getting them in the city that they're gathered to worship for. So I'm helping to set the the stage here. But the people who are in the city, who are in the temple, whose job it was to provide those items for them are merchandising off of them. Uh, you, you know, when, when, you, when you have people at a point where they have to buy from you, right. then you feel free to elevate Hello. the price. Hello. So, like we're seeing now with gas. Wow. Now, it's just a, a short while ago, we were in the $2 and some cents to get gas. Now, in places we're over $4. Now, what has changed? The fact that there is a supply chain shortage? And people can milk it to, get, uh, to charge us for whatever they want because your car will not run off air. Now, what we see here is a cleansing in the temple. Let's go back and look at what's happening here in verse number 12. The Bible says Jesus went into the temple a temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So Jesus is upset with what he sees going on in the house of God. I need for us to understand that when things are not going right in the house of God, you and I ought to be upset also. You ought not to be comfortable with stuff happening that should not be happening in God's house. Amen, Maurice. You're telling the truth. Now, the temple was God's house. When you're gathering in God's house, guess whose rules you have to follow? God's rule. So, if we come to your house, guess what we got to do? Follow your rules because it's your house. And I would say that's why, if it's at your house, feel free to enforce your rules. If there's no smoking in your house, do not feel you got to let folks smoke in your house just because they guess. That's what the outside is for. If they got to smoke. I would say if in your house we don't drink alcohol, then you let your kinfolk know and everybody else know that's coming to visit you, don't bring nothing in with you in the house that we don't drink. Because here's an area where we get, we get stuck. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to make a mess. But you're coming to my house. Maybe it'll do good for us to let people know what our rules are before we invite them over. So you got a house where there's no cursing? You let folks know, don't, don't come in here cursing. We're at God's house. We're at the temple here. And Jesus, our Lord and Master, is upset. He is offended by the bad practices that he sees occurring in the temple where people are coming to worship God. You and I need to recognize there are some distractions that occur that should not happen in God's house. That there's some things that should not happen. Now, if you want to happen at your house, you want to happen outside on the parking lot, but they ought not happen when we come inside here together for worship. Because there's a mindset that we need to have that you're coming to worship God. You're coming to a place where we can reflect and meditate. We're coming to a place where the focus is, on, is going to be on being built up spiritually. And so we don't need to be bogged down with a whole lot of other stuff that has nothing to do with worship service. Now, now I need to let you know, that's why uh, when you make your prayer request, don't tear the spirit up in here with some of the stuff you write on your paper or you say. Because some of that stuff would just tear us down. We had a wonderful worship, and you throwing out some stuff that's designed uh, to, to attack somebody Or share some information that we don't even need to know about. Make sure you're not a distraction in the worship service. And that's why the guy who reads the prayer request, his job is to filter what you say on paper. So stop getting mad at the person who's reading the prayer request. It's not his job to literally read everything you wrote down there. His job is to look at it and find out what the prayer request is. And that's all he shares with us. Because uh, I know some of you in the past have gotten upset. Well, you didn't say everything uh, I wrote. Yeah, we didn't. And brothers, you need to say that up front. No, we, did. we didn't say everything. We said what needed to be said to inform the congregation of what your request was all about. Because we want to leave with folks being edified, not with some other stuff that you put in there. So the temple is, was God's house. And Jesus, based on his conduct, helps us understand that cleansing sometimes needs to start at the house of God. See, we can get ourselves right, then we can help get other people right. If we are reverencing God when we gather, then it gives us the mindset or it gives us a motivation to also help other people. So that's why when you when you invite guests to the worship service, help them to understand what worship service is about. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to come up here eating breakfast. That, it's not the time for that. And so you should have made time before you got here to eat your breakfast. Now, if you brought it up in here, stay downstairs and eat it till you finished and then come up here. Because the ushers are going to say something to you if you start bringing your biscuits and your crackers up here. Amen on behalf of the ushers. I'm speaking for them, trying to make their job a whole lot easier. So as as we're in the temple, Jesus demonstrates he has authority. He has authority based on what he does, based on this scene. Now, again, the temple is filled with thousands of people who've gathered in the city of Jerusalem to worship. And so he casts out, drives out the corrupt merchants and and their customers. He overturns their tables. He throws them out. He doesn't gently ask them, would you mind taking your table and stuff and you guys? Uh, He helps them understand this stuff is going to stop right now. He does that because what they're doing is defaming the Lord's house. There's there's some times where you don't have time to be polite with folk. You You need to get out right now. And if they don't get out right now, we got some brothers who will help you. Because there are certain things that won't be tolerated. And because we try to be politically correct, and we allow a whole lot of stuff to go on in our house, we don't understand when we're here for worship service, that's what we're here for. We're not here for anybody clowning and being defiant. And saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to stay back here, and you have, you have nothing to say about it. Really? Really? If we follow Jesus' example, then we have something not only to say about it, but we also have an example to do something about it. So imagine as Jesus is running these people out and turning over chairs, money flying in the air, animals flying in the air. Because he's kicking over tables and saying, get out. He's not being tactful. He's not being politically correct. There is a sin going on here. And even though the people tolerated it, it still was sin. And there are things that we can get accustomed to and comfortable with, and we don't recognize they're sinful, and they're distractions that pull us away from the fact that our focus needs to be on God and the message that he wants us to get for our gathering today. Now, an interesting thing that I thought about as I was looking at the passage is why didn't somebody try and stop Jesus? There's one man that's coming in, interrupting all this merchandise, all this commerce that's going on. And you know why they didn't stop him? Because they knew he was right. They knew this was distracting, pulling people's attention away from why they were gathered. Now, let me go back again to help you. So you got all these people who've come uh, to Jerusalem uh, to observe the feast. They didn't bring the things with them that they needed to worship. So they're not bringing no goat or no lamb, uh, 50 or 100 miles. The way the thing was set up was you could get those when you came to Jerusalem at a reasonable price. So what the merchants and money changers were doing, they were jacking up the price. So what may have cost a dollar was now costing $5. And then because they came from different parts of the world, they didn't have the right currency. Now, some of you have traveled to other countries, and you know you need to convert your American dollars uh, to whatever the money is in the country that you're going to uh, at a reasonable rate. Now, imagine people uh, converting their currency into the currency that could be used at the temple, and folk are hiking up the price of doing that. Can you see how uh, an environment is being created where it's about making money, It's about taking advantage of people more so than it is about helping folk to worship God. And so that's why we have to be careful about what we promote when we gather for worship. We may have a fundraising activity going on, but we're not talking about that every worship service. You need to recognize that. Once we've made an announcement about it, your folk hurt you. And the people who want to support it will support it. Plus, it's downstairs. They got to walk right past your, your, your setup. And so I, I say that so that as we prepare for the new year, uh, there are a lot of things that we may have announced in the past. We're not going to be announcing them in the new year. They're going to be on the screen where you can read for yourself. They're going to be in the electronic bulletin that you get on Thursdays. And they'll be in other places. But announcing it every Sunday and every Wednesday, is just not going to happen. Because when you do that, then you take the focus away on why we're supposed to be gathering. That's just a a side issue over here. And again, the people who have a generous heart and all that, they hurt you, they're going to support you. The people who aren't going to support you, they're not going to support you no matter how many times it gets announced. So we have this violent scene where Jesus cleanses the temple. And then he says in verse number 13, it is written... My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus takes the leaders of the temple to school and reminds them, you ought to know what the word of God has to say. You ought to know the environment that needs to be here so that people can worship acceptably. So he quotes from Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7, to remind them that what I have just done was necessary so that the worship environment here in the temple is as it should be. So there, there are some uh, things that need to be done to protect the environment so that we, we are reminded of why we are here. The temple was a place where people were supposed to draw closer to God. When we gather for worship, you and I ought to draw closer to God. And so whatever is going to take away from that, distract from that, we need to kick it to the curb. We can talk about that after the dismissal. What we need is the word of God. What we need to do uh, do is to be able to see God and be reminded of how powerful he is and how he has acted in our lives this past week. And from that, draw strength to go out next week. You guys know Monday is coming. And Monday is the worst day of the week. You've had that weekend, and you've gotten comfortable, uh, and now you come back in Monday, and now you've got to start this six-day, five-day, depending on how many days you work, this routine over. And, you know, some folk are not on their best behavior on Monday. <laughs> they're griping and complaining. They don't even want to be there. They showed up late. And you've got to try and work in that environment where they're yakking and yakking and complaining uh, in your ear. You and I need to be strengthened on Sunday so we can face Monday. And I would say that's why you and I need to be refilled on Wednesday night for Bible study. Because it's the middle of the week and Satan is about to tear you down. And you need something to get you through the next two days. And maybe you can understand why your mood is the way it is uh, during the week. Because the world will beat you down. And you and I need to be replenished and recharged. So the temple was a place to draw closer to God. Not a place to be pushed farther from God. And so that's why even when we come to the worship service, when we come to the the assembly today, if you got a bad attitude about something, keep it to yourself. You don't want to be here, don't come. Just don't come. Because you destroy the atmosphere. The temple was not designed to be a bank or a marketplace, and that's what it had become. But these merchants selling all these uh, things that were supposed to help people in their worship, but it was a supermarket. Uh, It was a farmer's market. Uh, It was a place where people were, were charging unreasonable rates for things that they knew people needed in order for their worship. Now, if you got to offer an animal sacrifice, you got to have an animal. But if the merchant says, it is this price, what are you going to do? You ought to find a way to come up with the money. There you go. Or you can't worship. Because at that time, it was physical things that, that were required of you. You're not to be thankful. You can just come up in here. Now, yeah, there are things we still need to be offering. But they're not physical. So again, the temple was not designed to be a bank or marketplace. And so let's remember that so that we don't get caught up in making announcements and saying things about this other stuff uh, that may have some benefit, but it's not germane. It's not important right now. He says the temple was not a den of thieves. You shouldn't uh, come to the house of worship and be robbed. Will a man rob God? If the worship is not in order, yes, he will rob God. Can you see why Jesus did what he did? Can you see why it is that there needs to be some protection so that when we gather to worship God, we're not assaulted by a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with why we're here. See, there are some things we can talk about after the service is dismissed. Not in the middle of service. Verse number 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Interesting. We see now compassion being being displayed by Jesus. You know why he's able to do that? Because all the crooks are gone. All the people who were impeding worship have been run out. And sometimes we allow people to negatively influence our worship and our focus in our services or Bible class. When what we need to say is either you get with the program or you need to leave. Okay, you don't get that one. In the midst of COVID, we said if you have not been fully vaccinated, you must wear a mask. Anybody remember that? The rest of us who have been vaccinated, if you choose to wear one, fine. If you don't, that's fine, too. The important thing is you've been vaccinated. Do you not know we have some folk who had a problem with that? Now, it's only reasonable. You potentially contagious. Why should we just let you run around up here spreading your germs? If you want to be in here and you want to participate in worship, follow the rules. Put your mask on. If you don't want to have to wear a mask, go get vaccinated. That's how you solve that problem. But we're not debating with you every Sunday on this issue. And I've had to tell a person or two, either you get with the program or you can go home and stream. It's really, at that point, there's not a whole lot more to be said about it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in the hospital on a respirator. I want to be able to come to the worship place and focus on God, not worrying about you coughing or sneezing, and you don't have no mask on. Now, come on. I'm saying it out loud. You may not say it, but you feel the same way. So as the money changes and all of the crooks have been run out, now the folk who need Jesus are there. See, you will always have people who show up for the right reason. And you're going to have that, that, that small minority that are there for the wrong reasons. So the text will say here that the blind and the lame, they came to him in the temple, and guess what? He met their need. Yeah. See, sometimes you can't help the people who need help because you're dealing with all this fluff and all this other stuff. And, and the people who need ministry and service and help get left off. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful to this example that Jesus gives to us to remind us when the church gathers, when God's people gather, make sure that the needy are taken care of. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, uh, needy does not necessarily mean they need money. They may need encouragement. And we forget how important... Encouragement is to people who are discouraged, people who are unemployed, people who are sick, people who got family problems, people who got financial problems. They need encouragement. And and, and sometimes we get so caught up in all this other stuff that we miss it. The text says he healed the blind and the lame. And we got folk who are not only physically blind, we've got some folk who are spiritually blind up in here, up in here. Uh, you guys know the musician that used to do that <laughs> up in here. And, and so he healed them. Jesus met the needs of people. And when uh, one of the results of us gathering in God's house is our needs ought to be met. And in the midst of the 80 plus of us who are here to, this morning, somebody in here ought to be able to help somebody. But we got to get to the basics of what we ought to be doing. So anybody who came here discouraged ought to leave here encouraged. So sometimes you ought to just look for somebody who is not looking like they usually look. And then reach out to them. So Jesus does what he does after he's rid all the distractions. Then look at 15 through 17. Because you're always going to have a small minority that overlooks the spiritual, but just has an attitude. Because things didn't go the way they think they ought to go. And these are the religious leaders. So the text says, but when the chief priests and scribes, these are the people who ran the temple. now." The merchandising could not have gone on in the temple without these people allowing it to go on. So part of the problem were your leaders. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and when they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and they heard the children crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So worship is going on, and they're unhappy about it. People are acknowledging who Jesus is, and they're unhappy about it. What do you think is supposed to happen when you gather for worship? Those things, an acknowledgement of who Jesus is. People ought to be helped. People ought to be built up. If you didn't come here for that, you're in the wrong place. So why are you here? And so as all this is going on, The religious leaders, the adults, are unhappy. Verse 16, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? As if Jesus was deaf. And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? They're talking to him about what he heard. He's saying, have you not read in your scriptures? And then he quotes from a passage from uh, Psalm chapter 8 out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. So as they, the religious leaders, the adults, are dealing with their bad attitude and they are upset because of what Jesus is doing, Jesus is referring them back to the scriptures to say what these children are doing is what they ought to be doing. They were saying, Hosanna to the son of David, Uh, In this chapter, the children are saying that. But if you go back to verse number nine, in the same chapter, the adults are saying it. Now, why are the children saying it? Because the adults were saying it? And they understood what the adults were saying? I need you to understand that in the midst of us gathering for worship, our children are learning some things. And they're learning some things that many times we don't think they're learning because we're caught up in our own stuff. And we're missing the fact that we're passing on spiritual information to our children. So the children got it, but here the adults didn't get it. Parents, don't stand in the way of your children's spiritual growth and development. Now, I need for you to say, and you can get mad at me, but some of you are detrimental to your children's spiritual health and development. You don't care anything about yours. And since you don't care about it, that means you're not getting them to where they need to be and on time. Because it does not jive with your schedule. I don't know about any of you. I want to see my child in heaven and I don't want to be living around here worried about, is he on his way to heaven or is he on the way to hell? If he's not a Christian, you already know where he is on their way to. And so children ought to be developing a relationship with Jesus based on the exposure that they're getting to in our worship services. They are learning from us adults, and they need to be learning to draw closer to Jesus. They need to learn he's their friend. He cares about them. And he's willing to meet their needs. Now, in our text, Jesus has done all he can do for these adults. You know why I know that? Verse number 17. Then he left them. Is that in your Bible? Then he left them. Then he left them. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany any lodge there you and I need to understand there comes a time where sometimes you gotta leave folk they're not willing to change they're not willing to listen to what the Word of God has to say why are you wasting your time with them Amen. when folk demonstrate to you I don't care what you're talking about I don't care nothing about the church I don't care nothing about reading the scripture what do you have to offer them to help them spiritually Now, if Jesus would leave some folk alone and you not Jesus, Jesus is God's son in the flesh. He leaves some people alone and you not God's son in the flesh. Why is it so hard for you to leave some folk alone? Because you sit there arguing and fussing with folk and you start sinning. Mm -hmm. Because you start thinking you better than they are. Mm -hmm. You start using language that shows you don't have the Holy Spirit in you based on how you talk to them. Leave them folk alone. And maybe God will open their heart later. But it's ours right now. What you need to do is leave them alone. Isn't it in your Bible? Then he left them? Why do we have a problem doing what Jesus did? There comes a time. But in our efforts to help lead people to jesus they continue to rebel and they continue to refuse leave them alone maybe somebody else may be to come along who can connect with them or maybe at another time they'll be willing to listen to you but right now you need to leave them alone yes. wow. Tess says then he left me alone i said at the eight o'clock this is a drop the mic moment <laughs> so Jesus said i'm gone Now, these mics cost too much for me to drop them. But Jesus made his statement and he left. You need to make your statement and go on about your way. And maybe when the person sees, you're not going to spend time fussing and arguing with them. Maybe they may come to their senses. But as long as you're trying to go toe-to-toe with them, they're going to stand in there and go toe-to-toe with you. So who does he leave behind he leaves behind the unbelieving religious leaders there are some people who are just not going to listen to you they're going to have every excuse about why they do what they do this is how i've always been this is what i grew up doing and all that kind of stuff we're not talking about any of that we're talking about listening to jesus all of us grew up doing some stuff that we have later learned uh, that jesus did not ask us to do But the religious tradition we were a part of, that's what they said. They never showed us in scripture where Jesus said it. And we just started doing it because they said it. Okay, what are you going to do when you learn Jesus didn't say that? So he leaves behind unbelieving religious leaders. He leaves behind unbelieving Jews who would rather stay in Judaism than to embrace the teachings of Jesus. He leaves behind hypocritical followers. Because we know Jesus had some people who followed him while he was feeding folk, while he was healing folk, while he was doing miracles and signs. And then as he uh, taught them and, he, and they began to understand he wanted them to have a deeper commitment to him, then they left him. They walked away. So it's easy for people to follow when all they got to do is just be a spectator in the crowd. See, that's why people don't want to make commitments at a, at a local congregation. I just want to come when I want to, and when I don't want to come, I don't want to come. And so since I'm not a member there, you can't say nothing to me. Well, and that's true. They're not a member here, so they come when they want to, they leave. That's why uh, for members of other congregations that want to place membership with us, a part of your place of membership with us is you're saying you're willing to submit to the leadership here. And so a strong leadership is not going to let folks show up forever without requiring a commitment. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to say you're going to commit to us or you can say, well, I'm just going to continue to visit. Okay, then I know not to expect much out of you. Mm -hmm. There were no long range of Christians (laughs) in the New Testament. Christians were attached to a local congregation. And today we want to be long range of Christians. I just want to go where I want to go, when I want to go. But do you read that kind of behavior in scripture? No, you don't. But we have adopted that and we have allowed it to go on in congregations. And the consequence is when people start doing bad stuff and they are in your assembly, but they're not a part of your congregation, you don't have a whole lot of leverage with them. Because folks are quick to say, I'm not a member here. And so, if they're not a member here, there's no expectation, or there should not be an expectation of anything. Jesus will not stay where he is not wanted. Why is it we stay where we're not wanted? Why is it we stay in conversations with people where the people don't even want to talk to us? We're chasing them down, trying to talk to them, and they're constantly walking away from you. You guys have seen that. I've seen it here in the auditorium. Uh, People are talking, you've ended the conversation, and you're trying to leave, and they just, where you go, they (laughs) follow you. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you don't want to talk to me, no skin off my back, I'm moving on. Because there will be somebody who will want to talk to me. This is a side of Jesus you didn't know. But as a side of him, you need to recognize because there are times when the situation requires that we act a little bit different than we normally are and than we normally do. And when people disrespect our Heavenly Father, you need to recognize we cannot in good conscience let that stand. So the next time you're in conversation with people and they're slandering your God... What are you going to do? Because we'll say, well, you know, I, I didn't want to get involved, so I didn't say anything. So you let this false teaching go on right in front of you. Okay, lessons from today. If you didn't know it before, I hope you understand that Jesus is concerned about your worship. And sometimes I think Jesus is more concerned about our worship than we are. Jesus wants you to have a con- an environment that is conducive to you drawing closer to him, where you can meditate, where you can think. See, one of the reasons we started playing music uh, prior to the worship service was to help us get, get our focus. Now, what we've done is instead of letting the music lead us, we just talk louder. So you can't even hear the music. You can't even appreciate what's being played. So you guys are telling us you don't want the music. So uh, media ministry in the new year. In the new year, we're just going to have some Sundays where we have no music. uh, And so we're going to see what's going on. Jesus is more concerned about your worship sometimes than we are. Secondly, be careful of distractions on Sunday. Now, I need to help you. Your family can be a big distraction on Sunday. You don't want to say it, so I'm saying it for you. And if your wife or children get mad at you, then tell them your preacher said it. <laughs> but you know sometimes your fa- it's a distraction to even get out of the house on time so you can get here on time. You know we go to church services every Sunday, and we got to struggle every Sunday to get everybody out of the house on time. You know what I I say? Leave them. Uh, Didn't Jesus leave some folk? Then he left them. Uh, You want to help people to learn to be on time? Leave them. They dress and have no place to go. Uh, Okay, they'll learn next time. Get up on time. If you want breakfast on Sunday, guess what? You got to get up earlier. Or at least leave enough time that we can go through the drive-thru at McDonald's or Dunkin'. But we got to care enough to come into God's house right. And so that means because we didn't prepare, we come up in here, and we didn't get a chance to eat breakfast, well, next Sunday you'll appreciate getting up early. Thirdly, be considerate of others. When you come in here to worship, be considerate of others. If somebody said, your clapping is distracting me, don't be saying, well, you need to move someplace else. Be considerate of the person sitting next to you who says that. If they say, you're just singing too loud, be considerate and recognize they are being distracted. The Holy Spirit may help you to decide you need to move instead of messing with that person. But don't get no bad attitude. You come up in here and try one, two, three. You got four seats there. You got two over there. One got all these coats. I'm assuming they belong to the people who are behind them. Be considerate of other folks. There are times when we have an overflow crowd, and we got to hunt for seats. And you're trying to boss up three or four of them. <laughs> <laughs> be considerate. So just as the, uh, the usher said, uh, for Bible class, move a little bit closer so that the latecomers will have the seats in the back. You know they're going to say that every Sunday. So why we got to wait for it to be said? Be considerate of other people. Those of you who got children and you give them these video games to play that are a distraction to them, let alone the people sitting next to you. Can't you find something else for them to do? Oh, and by the way, be thankful to Sister Jordan. She's starting Children's Church in January. So they now have something to get them focused. Amen. Now, in your appreciation to her, volunteer to help out in Children's Church. Because you want to send your child or grandchild down there so you can be free. But help out. Help them out. Be considerate of others. And then the final thought. Adults. Don't hinder your children's worship. Don't hinder your children's worship. So one of the, one of the things that happens naturally when we become parents if you start putting the needs of your children ahead of yourself. That's what nature will do. But if you're not being led by nature, and you're still putting your needs ahead of your children, we got a problem. Especially when it comes to their spiritual growth and development. You only have just a few years to get them oriented toward Jesus. And when they get teenage years, they lose their mind if they don't have Jesus already in their lives. So it is worth all the effort to get them connected to Jesus when they're young. Because all the crying and all the praying you want to do when they're 15, 16, 17, 18 is not going to change where they are. If this has not been important to them all these years, it's not going to be important to them later. And guess whose fault it is? Okay, nobody wants to answer that question, huh? I guess that's rhetorical. Okay, okay, we know the answer. But you're going to need to recognize it's your fault. At the church, we're here to help and assist you. But you're the parent. They're with, your, with you seven days a week. And we want to help you raise a Christian in your home. But we can't do that if you don't bring them here if you don't get them involved in the youth activities, if you don't get them involved in Bible class. And again, there's just a short window. And some of you know, because your children are past that point, you know now it's more difficult to get them to do spiritual things, like read their Bible. You know, folk act like you're losing your mind if you tell them to read some scriptures at home, let alone at the church building in Bible class. And so Bible school teachers, that's why you have such a difficult time sometimes with your students. Because parents aren't doing anything spiritual with them at home. Mm. The Jesus you don't know. Now I recognize if all we do is see you on Sunday at the church building, we don't know you. I know what you look like. I know your name. I know how tall you are and what what your skin tone is. But in terms of knowing the inward person, you get to know that over a period of time or interacting with people. And too many times we make assumptions about people simply because we see them on Sunday morning. And we make these assumptions. And then when things go wrong in their life, we're trying to rationalize how could that happen. And, And what you have to recognize is all you know is Sunday behavior. Even the devil acts right on Sunday. He he acts right on Sunday because he wants to confuse us to get us to follow him. So he's going to act right on Sunday, uh, but come Sunday night, he's going to let his hair down and encourage some of us to do the same. We need to get to know all aspects of Jesus and recognize, yes, he loves us. Yes, he gave his life for us, even while we were lost in sin. But he's given us some commands, some directives to follow. You and I should not want his dying to be in vain for you. Now, it won't be in vain for everybody, but it could very well be in vain for you. Because you're not the recipient of what he gave his life for. And he gave his life so that you have an opportunity to be reconnected to the Heavenly Father. Now, if you won't listen to Jesus, there won't be anybody else for you to listen to. How many of us are listening to the voice of Jesus? Now, Jesus is not going to argue with you. You you saw here, he just left some folk. He's not going to argue with you. He's not going to force himself on you. He's going to knock. He's going to stand there and give you the opportunity to show you want him by opening the door. Guess what? You think you're going to keep knocking forever? Would you be ringing somebody's doorbell forever? Some of you, after a few minutes, you gone. Okay, some of you don't even, when you're calling people, they don't pick up. You don't even listen for the voicemail to come on. You just hang up. One, two rings, you should have gotten it. Okay, i move on to the next one. And I know some of you youngsters, you don't even call anybody. You text everything. We need to get to know Jesus in a personal way. And as we get to know him, try our best to stick as close to him as possible. Because the closer we are to him, the more we're going to be blessed. If you're here this day and you recognize you have not been as close to Jesus as you know you should, Determine today, I'm going to do better. I'm going to make some changes. That's what repentance is. It's simply making some changes. Especially the things that you know you need to do to be acceptable to Jesus. And see if your life won't change. See, one of the reasons some of us are constantly having problems about the problem of the problem is that we're rebelling against Jesus. And, and, and as soon as you learn to follow him and obey him... Things are going to look different and they are going to be different. But as long as you're butting heads with them and saying, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. He's just going to leave you. We need him. He doesn't need us. He's God all by himself. And we need to stop acting like we're doing Jesus a favor just because we showed up for worship. Worship service is going to go on whether you're here or not. You just, if you choose not to be here, you just miss your blessing. And the rest of us, we need to start of recognizing folk who refuse to come to worship service, who refuse to even turn on the screen, there's not a whole lot we can do for them. The Jesus you don't know. And he's somebody we need to get to know. This morning, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity. Uh, to make that known. If you're streaming with us and you have a prayer request, uh, we're going to ask that you email that in to our media ministry, and at the appropriate time, they will share that and assist you with that. If you're part of our audience, and you know you need to put Christ on in baptism. You need to be a part of God's family. Don't leave here today the way you came. Many times we can't help the condition we're in when we get here. But after you have heard the word... If you have listened to the scripture readings and you heard the, the prayers that have been uttered, something ought to happen. Amen. You ought to be impacted by something that said, I need to do better. I want to do better. And the first thing I want to do is get into Christ. When we're baptized, we are baptized into Jesus Christ. And what we need to do from that point is live faithful. Follow his directions. Yes. And he will lead you to heaven. If you're here and need to respond to the invitation, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that now as we stand and sing.